and make the declaration and proclamation once again about what God is doing in this house. And then we'll move on to another text. But Zechariah chapter 4, reading from the New King James. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. He said, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking. I see a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on it. And on the stand, seven lamps, seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl, the other at the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel talked with me, answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by... Might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. He shall bring forth the capstone with the shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Who is despised a day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. And I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes in which the golden oil drains? And he answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of all the earth. This vision and conversation that Zechariah the prophet has with his angels about rebuilding the temple. Much discouragement had come, and the angel comes to bring encouragement. The gold lampstand, if you look in connection with the book of Revelation, represents the Israelite community. The two olive trees, the two trees on either side of the the golden bowls represent the two leaders, Zerubbabel and Zechariah. Uh, pardon me. Thank you. Zerubbabel and the high priest, the governor and the high priest. And years ago, I believe it was 2006, I was on a run. In fact, I was by a street called AI Street, just, just as in the book of Joshua. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm sending you to, to Alaska. Because I'm going to pour out my oil there. And in the same way that there's a pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez, so it is in the Spirit. I'm building a pipeline with the golden oil of Zechariah 4 will flow. I didn't really understand what that meant, but in the years to follow, as it got wider and broader and deeper, as Revelation is always progressive, God gives you a piece and then He gives you more as you're faithful. And God has helped us, all of us, to be faithful and to continue to move forward. And as that vision has expanded, I've come to understand that the golden oil, of course, represents the anointing. 
But it's about building the temple or the house of prayer. And we are building a house of prayer. We've started. What do you mean a house of prayer? I mean just a, a church that prays. A praying church, if you would. Prayer is, a, prayer is the backbone of this ministry. It always has. When you think about prayer, nothing really happens without prayer. You can't abide without praying. You can't get saved without praying. You don't get delivered without praying. Prayer is essential to communicating with God, talking with God. That's prayer. And I'm so encouraged about what I sense in the Spirit that's taking place, and I want to share that encouragement with you. But in the midst of that encouragement, I know that there are great pitfalls and challenges that lie ahead and snares that have been set, and perhaps you've stepped in some of them or fallen into some. I want to look now, and now you can stand, Zechariah chapter 5. Would you please stand for the reading of the word? Zechariah chapter 5, verse 5. Then the angel who talked with me came out and said to me, Lift your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. So I asked, What is it? And he said, It is a basket that is going forth. He also said, This is their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead disc lifted up. A lead disc lifted up, pardon me. And this is a woman sitting beside the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. Then I raised my eyes and looked. There were two women coming with the wind in their wings. And they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. And so I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me, to build a house for it in the land of Shinar. When it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight, what you've already done. In the moments that remain in this service, we ask that you'd release living understanding and revelation to all of us. We thank you for what you've begun. We do not despise a day of small things, but we are mindful and we understand that there is a very real enemy who wants to try to undermine what you're doing in this hour. And we don't stand here in fear, for your perfect love has cast that off of us and out. But we stand as gentle as doves and as wise as serpents tonight. I pray, speak to our hearts. Come on, would you ask God just to speak to you tonight? Lay hands on your own heart. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, go ahead and do it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, Watch Out for Babylon. Everybody say, Watch Out for Babylon. Now, everybody here is building a temple. Everyone here is building a temple. Now, either you're building a temple unto God, a temple in Jerusalem, if you will, or you're building a temple in Babylon. What kind of temple are you building? This is a warning to people. Let's look at the text. 
This is a, a measuring basket. And it means the iniquity of the people. The basket is a, an ephah used for measuring grains. And the basket could represent the world trade, such as being pictured as a picture of greed. The woman in the basket is a picture of lust. In fact, turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's a picture of lust. It's a picture of greed, this woman in the basket and the basket of measuring. Two beings take this sealed basket to Babylon, basically, to build a house for it. And Babylon is a picture of the world system. Now, this text, we could go real deep, and we'd all get lost, probably including myself. So I I don't want to go too crazy on you. But I want to bring a very real application for us as we watch out for Babylon. Again, Babylon is a picture of the world system. The basket becomes an idol as it sets up in this temple, if you would. The Lord is speaking to us very simply tonight as He was speaking to the people of Zechariah's day. You can, do, you can be doing religious deeds, but your heart cannot be with the Lord. You can be about religion, going to church, prophesying even, Maybe even having a time of prayer. You can be about the things of church, but your heart can be far from God. Instead of building the temple of the Lord, their secret actions of greed and lust were building another kind of temple. You've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. What you do in the dark is the level of maturity that you have in God. So don't fool yourself. You're certainly not fooling God. We're certainly not, we're not fooling Him. He he sees everything. He knows everything. And He longs for us to come. Don't fall victim to greed. Commit yourselves to serve God. You can't serve both God and mammon. I've known people that have got triple jobs to make more money. And they fall, end up falling out of being in fellowship. I've known people that have believed and asked me even to pray. Would you just pray for large contracts? Would you pray that God would prosper me? I'd get the promotion. I'd pray, and sometimes I just want to pray that they lose it after they get it because they're not even in church after a while. Because they're so busy about making money. We must flee. Greed. We've got to take hold of the things of faith. Take hold of the things of eternity. And I think the main part of the message here, which I've sort of rushed through to get to this part, you must guard yourselves against lust. You've got to guard yourself against lust. There's all kinds of lust. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians now. 
Oh no, Pastor, another another word that's gonna Yeah, another one. Yeah. Come on. First Corinthians chapter six, turn there. You know, husbands and wives, I want to tell you, you really have to have a strong marriage. A strong marriage will protect you. They say, what if I'm not married? I will get there in a second. Everyone here really should be married, whether you're, you're married to the Lord or you're married to your spouse. You're certainly not. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Somebody say amen. It's just insane. It is insane that our government and the whole... I mean, the, the political race is becoming largely about same-sex marriage. I, 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 I mean, I, I, I mean gee, I don't even know what to say. I bet, I bet, I bet. Jesus, help us. Like, let, me, let me get political for a second. They say, don't get political in pulpits. Can I tell you, it's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Did you know that, that, that largely America was shaped by great men of God that, that spoke the truth. We've just gotten away from that, the separation of church and state, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I remember when, when our uh, President Obama was elected, I, I certainly didn't vote for him, and not because he's black. It would have been great to have a black president. In fact, we have a black president, and it's great in that it destroyed and brought some healing in the area of racial tensions in America, which is a tremendous thing. And it, I mean, I remember watching the news after he was elected, and people were just singing and dancing, and the you know the African American community was just beside themselves, weeping and crying. And it was a great victory in that, absolutely. The only reason I didn't vote for him based upon his skin color, I didn't vote for him based upon the issues. I simply couldn't have voted for him. And I remember having a conversation with a person that was in our church at the time, probably offended them, and they left. But anyway, I don't know. I remember having a conversation with them. They said, oh, what are you, kidding me? We need to vote for him because he's black. I said, no, we're not voting for him because he's black. No more than we would vote for a president that he was white. We vote based upon the issues. Let me say this to you. And you might believe differently. This is what I believe. You've got to vote based upon the issues. Okay, so if you have a Mormon that comes up and he's got the issues right, the lesser evil is Mormonism. I, that's what I believe. It's problematic at best. But we cannot vote. For somebody who's going to do same-sex marriage, I'm just telling you, you can't do it. That's, I, that's my conviction. You get your own. That's what I believe. That's, that's, that's how I'm just being you know, Jesus, help us. You, know, you look at the choices, you go, is that it? And really, it's because the church didn't stand up many generations ago and begin to, you know, take hold. Well... 1 Corinthians, aren't you glad you came to church tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And that's why I don't drink at all. I don't drink at all. I don't have wine. I just, it's my personal conviction. 
I know there's lots of believers that you can have a glass of wine with your meal, and, and that's good between you and the Lord, and that's great. Praise God. Bless you. You know, I just know that I've come from a long line of pub goers, and I certainly am very acquainted with my past and have not forgotten where God brought me out of, and I'm not going to go doing something that could potentially bring me into bondage, and I'm not going to do something that would potentially stumble somebody else, and I don't want to appear as evil how would it look if your pastor went and just got a big old box of Gallo wine? What? I'm just buying it for cooking. We use wine in cooking, but I'm sensitive to when I go get it. In other words, I don't. We send somebody else to go get the who hitch. All right. My mother-in-law comes up. In fact, she's about to come up. We're about to hook up and get some more, as a matter of fact. Because my mother-in-law comes up. No, I'm just telling you how I live my life. This is, these are certain things that we don't violate. Because you've got to be, you got to watch out for Babylon. You've got to watch out for bondage. I don't live in fear, but there's certain principles I'm not violating ever. I'm never going to ride in a car or in my truck with another woman in the front seat or back seat by myself. My wife's not there. My daughter's old enough we could do that now with my daughter being in the car. But generally, that's not happening. Why? Because I'm not going to be riding past somebody and somebody have an opinion about the pastor of KC. I'm not going to put myself in a position where it can be the appearance of evil or put myself in a position where somebody could bring an accusation. Because an accusation is the same thing as it actually happening. So you, won't, you won't get any reports of your pastors from this house saying, oh, he was in some hotel. I went in some hotel unless the most beautiful one in the world was with me. This one right here. My wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. All other, all other women are men. All right, turn to... You all there? 1 Corinthians. Are we clear? Yeah, so anyway, my mother-in-law is coming up, and, and my wife makes medicinal uh, things, cough syrups, immune boosters, things like that. And uh, You need, you know, 80, 100-proof vodka to do that. Tinctures, yeah. Well, some of you know about that. Did you testify? Okay. All right. Hold on. Anyway, I don't go and buy the big old bottle of Stoli because that just doesn't going to look good. All right, maybe you have a different plan, but anyway, that, that's the plan we got. 1 Corinthians 6. Did we start reading this already? I won't be brought under the power of any. All right. Foods for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. You see, the Corinthian church, they were perverted, man. They had issues. In fact, if somebody was really perverted back in the day when this was written, you were called a Corinthian. Oh, that's just a Corinthian. And they were basically saying, look, God's giving me organs. He made me a man or a woman, as the case may be, so we should just use them the way we see fit. That, that's, what, that's what they're saying. And so Paul's bringing a correction. And God both raised up the Lord, and He will raise us up by His power. Verse 15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one with her? 
For the two, he says, shall be one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee. Everybody say flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside his body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have heard from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When the Lord called Gideon in Judges 6, He sent Gideon to destroy the Asherah pole, a phallic symbol of worship, sexual idolatry. As we are watchful or watch out for Babylon, let me ask you tonight, how is the level of lust in your life? How are you doing in that area? You should see what I'm looking at right now. It is crazy right here. Woo! How are you doing? Do you, do you have a lust issue? Do you? I mean, be honest. Greed. Everybody's like, no. As I said, the Corinthians were morally corrupt. Sexual evil was going on inside the church. And you've got to understand how to deal with this basket of Babylon. You have to understand how to deal with lust. It'll try to come on you as a married man. It'll try to come on you as a, as a married woman. In fact, more than ever before, we've seen adultery with women. It used to be mostly men. If you've been involved in ministry, you follow statistics, it used to just be mostly men that committed adultery. It's more and more women now than there ever has been. As a single person, you have to learn how to control your passions. You have to learn how to control yourself and understand that you're, you're, you belong to the Lord. I was talking to a young person today, actually in my family, and I was telling bro, you need to sublimate. You know what sublimate is? Because, I mean, when you're like 17, 18, we should probably roll that back, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, there's, there's a lot of tension going on. So if you don't focus that the right way, then you can end up really messed up. So what you have to learn to do as a young person, as a single person, now praise God for us who are married, somebody say hallelujah. But as a single person, you have to take that, that tension and you serve God with all your heart. You take your passion and you serve the Lord with it. I mean, my, my God, if you're single, you ought to just be in every ministry. What else are you going to do? Watch TV for the love of God? Are you going to go out and... Come on! He goes, I don't know what happened, Pastor. I don't know what happened. Maybe you shouldn't have been watching the submarine races at 10 o'clock at night. Look, I've, we've come from... I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I'm just telling you. My wife and I, there was a time when we weren't saved. I know some of you might find that hard to believe. I understand the world system. But if you're single, you're here under the sound of my voice. Don't set yourself up to fall into some pit. Don't set yourself up. Don't, don't. Listen to the word tonight. Watch out for Babylon. Watch out for the world to try to seduce you through every bit of media there is. I'm, I'm, I'm on the internet. 
You know what happened today? I was I got up early and before we did morning prayer at five thirty in the morning over Skype. I was up early and I was setting up Skype and I got an email from I don't know, it was some outdoor, you know, hiking, camping internet site. And uh, it caught my attention. So I clicked it because I want to buy a pair of shorts. And Anyway, it's a long story. So, so I clicked it and I, and I brought up the website and I looked and they had these sales going on. And so I took a couple look at a couple look at a couple different pairs of shorts. I mean, it was just, you know, it was a minute. And I thought, I mean, it's amazing how you can do that from your own home now. Here I'm supposed to be like praying in tongues and I... Anyway, it was time to start prayer, so I put it away. I actually minimized it because I was going to go back and then somebody closed it on me later. But anyway, yeah, praise the Lord. And I went back into prayer. You know what I noticed in the afternoon today as I returned to my home office and looked at my computer? I noticed along the side of... of I mean, I, I just had, you know, Fox News was reading news. I noticed along the side were all these pictures of the shorts that I looked at. Because the cookies that got picked up from the website that I was looking at, it was, it was an advertisement from the very place that I went to buy, look at shorts this morning at 5.30. Now it's, you know, 4 in the afternoon. I'm preparing this thing, and I'm looking at the same shorts. I'm like, oh, there they are. They're so shorts. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You've got to watch out. I mean, it's amazing technology. We can have that work that for the Lord's use, too. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord for that. Back to this lust thing. You need to smash it. You need to deal with it. Well, how do you deal with lust in your life? Well, the first thing is deal with a lie. Everybody say deal with a lie. Good, here's the first one. Take notes. Write this down. Fornicators go to hell. Write that down. A good preaching, Mike? Yes. Fornicators go to the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. I've sat with people in times past where they... They tell me about their, their walk with the Lord and everything. Yeah, they have this one issue. Yeah, they, you know, they fornicate a lot. But the Lord knows. I mean, what? I used to just sort of tiptoe around it. I, 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 and then I've watched people that die. And, and then you go, you, you know, I'll make a preacher do a funeral for you. You've been fornicating. That is the hardest funeral to do. And we'll just hope they made it. Got to deal with the lie. Fornicators go to hell. That's what the Bible says. If you don't like me for it, that's your problem. You have to like me. Amen. You got to love me. I'm a brother in Christ. You don't like it? You can be like Thomas Jefferson that cut out sections of his Bible because he didn't like it. And then you can find yourself talking to the Lord at the end. You're so sure about it. Sex is made by God for purpose. There's a great seduction that's happening. And, and the body of Christ, as, as Mary Glazier said last night, needs to repent. There needs to be a great repentance that sweeps through. The depth of repentance will be the depth of revival. The sloppy agape is over. It's over. So you've got to deal with the lie. Understand the fornicators go to hell. God's, God made sex for a purpose. He did. What's the purpose? Want to know what sex is for? Come on, children's church is upstairs. The first thing... Is for making other children. 
You know, I don't even know if that's the first thing, frankly. I, you know, I don't know if you categorize them and put them in order, but actually, I'm going to put them in order. I'm going to put them in order this way for me. I think the first thing that God made sex for was oneness. You see, the scripture that we read here talks about a man and a woman, the two shall become one flesh. That oneness, as it is in the physical, so it is in the spirit. That a husband and wife become one. Furthermore, if it, is, if it is Adam and Steve, they become one also. And that's what that's talking about. That there comes this unity, this uniting. A, you get a piece of them, they get a piece of you. It's, that's why they, they, they've done these tests where they found that women, that are, women and men that have been very promiscuous, they're shattered. They're shattered in, in, their, in their soul. They've got multiple personalities. You know why? There's a lot of people living in there. Hey! Never mind the soul ties and the torments. I tell you this by the word of the Lord tonight. Some of you are here and you are still tied to that person of even 20 years ago because you didn't cut it off and you allow for that fast, that fantasy to engage at night and even during the daytime. And that it is robbing you of your joy with your wife or with your husband. It is robbing you of the joy that the Lord wants to give you. And it is being used as a source of an arrow from hell to bring you torment. You can be free from that thing. You say, how do you know? Like I said, I wasn't always saved. We had to deal with soul ties, my wife and I. From past relationships. We had to deal with stuff. And I'm thankful my kids aren't going to have that problem. Because I'm teaching them. I told you my nine-year-old already knows what a prostitute is. Knows what a harlot is. Knows what adultery is. We were talking about it. We, we've talked about it before that we talked about it after I mentioned that in service. He said, I do? What is it? <laughs> anyway, we reminded him. Let's see, what do you tell a nine, nine-year-old what a prostitute is? That's a woman who gets paid for kisses. That's a prostitute. Nine-year-old definition. You don't teach your kids and somebody else is going to teach them. You don't hug and hold your daughters and somebody else is going to hug and hold them. Come on, you don't hug and hold your sons and somebody else is going to hug and hold them. We long for fellowship with God. We long for fellowship with each other, but it's got to be done right. God made sex for a purpose. Number one is for you, for oneness between a husband and a wife. And it brings a covering. It brings protection. The second thing is, is yeah, for, for children. Praise the Lord. How many of you got kids? Woo! How many of you husbands are glad you didn't have to birth them? Hey! What's the third thing? Oh yeah! Pleasure! Oh! Can you say that in church? Pleasure! Look, the epicenter of the throne is pleasure. God is the one that actually created it. He cre- it's His idea. It's ingenious. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, somebody. Hey! Although we're under grace and not under law, our freedom must be exercised in the context of love and not bring us under bondage. Now, I'm going to tell you that in marriages, there are, there are husbands and wives that are under bondage because the relations that they have are not in love. It's lust. Let me, I'm going to tell you, if you have a lust problem and you get married, that does not solve your lust problem. Are we okay, Karen? Is this all good? All right. Just checking. 
You know, he could, he could get all into that. And if we were having a marriage conference, which, which we probably should have soon, and we'd talk all about that. But you, you, husbands, you need to love your wives. They're not some toy. Hello? Women need to respect your husbands and, and honor each other. I mean, it, there, has to, there has to be intimacy. And, and that has nothing to do with the bedroom. Hello? God is a judge of how we use our bodies. Our bodies are made to worship the Lord. That's what your body's made for. Your body's made to worship God. Did you know that the, the actual act between a husband and wife is an act of worship? Not each other. It's an act of worship before the Lord. That's what that is. Gosh, you guys are uncomfortable. Make yourself look so uncomfortable. You're making me uncomfortable. Jesus. Our bodies are not made for fornication. Our bodies belong to the Lord. And God sees them as so important that He will resurrect them. Now, our bodies are so important that actually you get a glorified one later. I don't even know what that looks like. I'm sure He's totally ripped though. Maybe yours isn't. Mine's ripped. I know my glorified body's totally shredded. Come on. Actually, you know what? God's probably got a different... He's probably into, like, being voluptuous. God's probably got us all really fat. <laughs> we got this picture of what beauty is. God's, God's got a different perspective on what beauty is. Come on, somebody. How many of you are thankful that you're going to get a glorified body? Right. Won't you be disappointed you're like 500 pounds? No heart problems, though. Come on, you get to get around, your ankles don't swell. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But really, really, we get a glorified body. <laughs> we get a glorified body. I mean, it, that's how important our bodies are. I mean... This is not it. This is an internship, as Mike Bickle says. You're just passing through 70 years, and at the end, you're going to go on into glory. You're just being trained in that right now. To rule and reign. You're going to judge angels. You, you're going to be used by God. I mean, it's just like, your ministry is not over when you die, or when, the, when, the, when the, the resurrection comes. It's not over. It's just begun. Wow. Your body's a temple of God. Come on, don't laugh too hard now. Your body's a temple of God. Come on, somebody say, my body is His temple. Yes, it is. Your body's His temple. He purchased it with the death of His Son. Get a revelation of that. That ought to adjust the way some of you all eat. I mean, it's just simply smoking should be out because it destroys your temple. When your body's not your own. You want me to come out there and lay hands on you? What are you looking at? Come on. Fornication's a sin against your own body. So you deal with lust, you deal with greed by fleeing and by renewing your mind. By dealing with strongholds. There's a, you become what you behold principle. Now, I went to see a movie, uh, The Avengers. I went to go, man, I had like a, 
I had like a spiritual encounter in there, man. <laughs> the body of Christ coming together with all the different gifts on the five. Blah! Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> the hammer. Yeah. I want to be that guy. All right. There's some parts in there that I don't endorse, but we got in there with the previews, and and I'm you know we know better with previews. And there was this preview that came on. I'm telling you, the thing had a spirit on. I mean, it was so strongly demonic for me personally that I got I, I'm on a jumped out of my skin. I mean, I sat there the, the the second that I did sit there, or a couple seconds that I did sit there through it were a couple seconds too long. And I really had to do some etcher sketch when I had got out. Now, let me, let me, just, let me just tell you. I, I, my part of my testimony is I've seen some very hardcore stuff in the streets. Gunfights, shooting, knifings. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. So it was this particular thing about police officers in L.A., which is, I know, I know L.A., and not from the side that you should know it. And all up and down the streets were the streets that I was in as they're showing. I'm, I, I got to see that much of it. I stood up. I said, that's it. We're, we're, I got to go. We gotta, we're out of here. I stood, I stood up. We stood up. I said, let's go. Let's go. We walked out of there. And, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it, it tapped into it. tapped in. It was, like a, it was like a talon from hell that tried to get into my brain. You see, some of you never opened that door, so you don't know what it is. And, and praise the Lord. But I mean, I just had that. This is what I call your sketch. Oh, get rid of that image right there. Oh, there's another one. Oh, God. It wasn't a temptation thing. It was this evil. And I know the depth of that. Well, I don't know if I know the depth of it, but I know a degree of how dark that is. Some of you watch stuff on a regular basis and you wonder why you have to deal with lust, for the anger, greed. You wonder why. Stop. These are not yours to begin with. Come on, somebody. If Alaska's going to have this great outpouring and we're going to build a house of prayer, you're going to have to watch out for Babylon. I am not into ear-tickling messages that just make you go, oh, isn't that nice? Praise God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm nice to the feel-good message is good, but every so often you need a message. There are men that are struggling under the bondage of pornography. Struggling under, come on, you shall have no other gods before me. What you think about the most is what you worship. Amen. 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 <laughs> Come on! You've got to watch what you're you've got to watch what you're looking at. Watch what you're listening to. Be aware that the enemy wants to slip you a Mickey. Do you know what that is? Anybody know what that is? That's when he drops something in something you're drinking, so you go stupid. Some of you have fallen asleep in the arms of the enemy before the TV. And you wonder why you're struggling. We have to beware. Not, and not, and I'm, not, I'm not afraid, but I'm not stupid either. 
For me to sit there and to watch what I was watching and to continue to watch it would have been to allow for a, a great defilement. I got defiled enough already in the first 15 seconds that I sat there. I couldn't even... I mean, I was over. It took me by storm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to deal with the basket. Back to Zechariah. You've got to deal with the, the lust, with your greed. Don't build an altar for Babylon. Tear down every idol. Tear down lust. Tear down greed. How do you how do you tear down greed? By giving, by being generous, you move in the opposite spirit. If you have a problem tithing is because you have a problem with money. You have a problem with money all your life until you deal with that thing. It's not the church's problem, it's not God's problem, it's your problem. You want to talk about how you don't need to tithe and justify it and try to use all kinds of stupid scriptures pulled out of context. You need to slap yourself and get rid of your greed. You're the one that's got a money problem. How can you talk like that? Because I was that guy. Mm, Just pretend I'm the evangelist. I'll be selling some books in the back. I'll just be here. All right, let's, let's close this up. Let me just give you a couple pointers of how to watch out for Babylon. How to watch out for lust. To beware. Watch out for the temple that you're building and to be careful. The one, the first thing is, and these are some good things, you should write them down. Watch out for your environment. Watch out where you go. Watch out what's in your home. It's it's such a joy as a pastor to come and visit people, which we do occasionally, and come into the home and just feel the power and the presence of the Lord. We visited somebody in Palmer, walked into their house. It was like, poof, oh, God's here. I've walked into into somebody else's house. It's all, Some other kind of wind. Watch out for your environment. Say, it's my world, I can do what I want to, then you're not saved. If you're saved, then it's not your, it's not your life, it's His, right? And, and, and what you are doing will affect everybody around you. Just like if I was to dip myself in sewage and come to church, you'd smell like a sewer. Go ahead, smell your neighbor, go ahead. Don't do it! You're supposed to spread the fragrance of Christ, not sewage. Build a fence around your life. Everybody say, build a fence. Build a fence. Like I said, I don't, I don't give women rides in my truck or my car by myself, just me and another woman. I don't do that. Why? Because it's a fence. I mean, I, I have a fence there. I don't watch rated R movies. I have a fence. When that, when that preview came up, I, there's a clear fence. It took me a little, took me ten seconds to, to get the fence up. You know what was amazing? First of all, we freaked out the people behind us like, whatever, what's wrong with these freaks? Because I was like, let's go! (laughs) We walked out. We're standing out there eating our popcorn, waiting for the, you know, waiting for the sound to change. It changed. It's another junk preview. We had to wait and wait and wait and wait. While we're eating our popcorn, they say, sir, is everything okay? I said, yeah, we just had to come out of that preview. How come? I said, because it's just really nasty. Bunch of killing and shooting and drugs. The guy's all, so? I mean, he just looked at us like, oh. And then he walked off. And somebody else came. Another employee came and said, 
Oh, is everything okay? I said, yeah, it's just the, the previews are they're ridiculously bad, you know. What's the matter? I just, you know, same thing, drugs, shooting, killing, you know, sex. They had no, they had no, no framework for even understanding what I was saying. You know, I, I read in John, the world will hate you. This is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, the church is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and God's going to bring in this tremendous end-time harvest. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't fortify yourself and build an environment around your life and put a fence, some of you spend more time on video games and you wonder why you're so polluted. For the love of God, why not? If you spend more time playing video than reading the Word, I'm, I, I, Jesus help us. Watch your environment. Build a fence. Come on, Moses. God spoke to Moses. Put a fence around the mountain, Moses. If anything comes up over the fence, kill it. I got that word from the Lord once. If you'll put a fence around your time with me, says the prophet to me, then I will come and visit you like I visited Moses. If anything comes to try to come over that fence, son, kill it. What does that mean? That means you have your time with God. You cultivate intimacy with Him. You, you, you deal with every ugly thing that comes up into your life. You live a life of repentance. You live a life of brokenness and humility as best you can. And accountability so that when you think you're all that and, you, and you've messed up, then somebody can tell you you have and then you can repent. Because you don't understand we can be deceived. That even the elect can be deceived. Build a fence around your life. Repent of your sins. Everybody say, repent! No, you got to roll the R. You ready? One, two, three. Repent! Almost. Pretty good, pretty good. You lift your voice. Come on, right from the bread basket. You ready? One, two, three. Repent! Very good. you got to repent! Live a lifestyle of repentance. It's not a one-time thing. And I was a jerk last night. What am I telling you myself? Why do I always do this? I always do this. I always rat myself out. I was a jerk last night. I repented. I was, you know, I was just, what's a jerk? Anybody a jerk lately? All the rest of you are liars. You know where liars go. Did we talk about that? All the fornicators lift your hand. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Oh, I've gone long. I've gone long. Micah, come on up. <laughs> Help me out. Come on, one, two, three, repent! One, one more time, one, two, three, repent! Do a 180! Live differently! Put yourself in a different environment! Repent! Life is not your own! Tithe! Got a greed problem? Be a giver! Tweaking about all the stuff that you have? Why don't you give some of it away? Look, praise God for possessions, you know. I mean, thank you, Jesus. He gives us everything for our enjoyment. But if they've got you all wrapped up, then you don't have possessions. You're possessed by them. Your marriage life. Again, there's only two conditions for the human being. Married and sexually active. Marriage. Yeah, you're sexually active in your marriage. And if you're not, then your marriage needs healing. Oh, I felt something there. Something just, something just hit me in the back right there. I felt the Lord just shove me right there. If you don't have a sex life in your marriage, your marriage needs healing.
you don't have a sex life in your marriage. sex, which is a holy, righteous thing. It's an act of worship. Number two, you're celibate. Period. So if you're not married, quit the hanky-panky around, because it'll send you to hell. Hell. I gotta close. I'm all messed up. I should have I should have eaten more food before I got up here. I'm closing. Here I go. To keep marriage honorable. Some of you have heart adultery and you bring that into your relationship with your marriage. There's actually people that imagine other people than their spouses when they're with them. That's evil and it's demonic, actually. And if you have that problem, you can get some counseling help, get set free. It's probably a soul tie, something that needs to be dealt with. And lastly, number five, for those of you that are taking notes. Be prepared for a lifetime battle. Amen. Be prepared for a lifetime battle. Why? Honestly, I don't battle nearly as I did like 20 years ago. But still, I have to have a fence. I have to watch my environment. Did you get something tonight? I'm all over the place. Come on, stand up on your feet. We'll close. So if you've been fornicating and living a lifestyle of it, then you are basically headed to hell. I've shown that, I've proved it, talked about it in the text. I'm not going to bring an altar call for all the fornicators, okay? I'm not going to do that. However, y'all need to repent if that's you. And if you're in adultery tonight, it'll destroy you. It'll destroy your marriage, destroy your kids, rob you, and send you to a devil's hell which never intended for you. If you have lust in your life, just bring it before the Lord and ask Him to help you to cut it off. If you have greed, you have a problem with greed, cut it off. Why? Because these things are the little foxes that spoil the vine. And they creep in and they rip you off and little by little. I gotta close, but I gotta say this. I got saved. I started telling the story, I think, last time we were having service. I got saved. I backslid horribly about three times. I mean, like, totally turned my back, stopped going to church, went right back into the world. And it was always, they say, seven times worse. It's gotta be, I think one of those was 70, not seven. It's huge, horrible nightmare. They're all nightmares but one specifically almost almost didn't make it. Every time I backslid, every time, every one. Will you help me? Would you come here, Louis? Every time was like this. Just turn face everybody. I'd compromise. Now don't receive this. You're a righteous guy. Amen. Now, I'd compromise and it would be, can you all see this? It would be like 
you know, I just, the enemy just got a little piece of my jersey. The defense got a little piece of my jersey as I was running the play. No big deal. You can still move around. Go ahead, John. Okay. It's no big deal. It's really not that big a deal. All right. So I, I figured, well, you know, I can get away with that. So it's all good. God knows my heart. Huh? You tried that one? God knows your heart. Yeah, deceitfully wicked above all else. That's what your heart is. So then I would compromise a little bit more. It's okay if I rip your shirt. I'm just <laughs> Compromise a little bit more. He's got a little bit more. You try to move around now. All right. He's moving around, but a little bit weightier, a little harder. And then before I know it, my compromise would go to the next level of compromise, the next level of compromise, and the next thing I know, it's choking me out. Throwing me down. Thank you. Busting my teeth on the curb. with the foxes. Deal with the things in your life that you know are not right because it's going to it's robbing you. Watch out for Babylon. What temple you build? Building one under the Lord? Or are you building one that'll be housed by the Antichrist? Which one are you building? Oh, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. It's simple. Black and white. That's the way it is. Come on and say, Jesus, my body belongs to you. I'm going to live for you all my life. Free me from every chain, from every bondage, from every stronghold. And I would be a temple, wholly dedicated, sanctified, holy, set apart for you. Dwell in me. Live in me. That I would bring you glory with my body, my mind, all my soul and all my strength. Thank you for the ability to live holy. That's the Holy Ghost, people. You don't have to say that part. The Holy Ghost gives you the strength. Put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. Take someone by the hand tonight. Lord, thank you for what you've done. Would you forgive me for going long? I try to end at nine. I don't know what happened. It's all Karen's fault, I'm sure. Don't forget Jaden's funeral, our dear sister who went to be with the Lord. Jaden's funeral on Saturday at the also on Sunday morning, the kids are going straight upstairs, so we have more room down here uh, in the main sanctuary. We'll remind you of that. Let's just close it. Karen, would you close us and pray? For, let's pray for marriages, just briefly, and, and then you close us. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being married. Lord, whether we're married to a spouse or we're married to you, God, such a great blessing. Father, we just ask that you'd come upon marriages and strengthen them tonight. Lord, that you would strengthen marriages tonight, God. But that all the foxes would be dealt with, that they'd be shot, (laughs) skinned, and killed, and gotten rid of. And Father, that you would give us a fresh revelation, Lord, of living holy, righteous before you. Bring healing. Tear down strongholds. 
strengthen us with might in our inner man by your spirit to live righteously before you, holy before you. We love you. We thank you. God, for your spirit that's mightily at work in us. And Lord, I ask tonight that you would bless your people. That you'd cause your face to shine upon them. You'd lift up your countenance upon them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name. God bless you tonight, praise God.